Second Chronicles chapter 35, please. Second Chronicles chapter 35. Our revival meeting is coming, and I want to give you a sermon that will help you as we make preparations for it. I want our hearts to be prepared. I want the Lord to move in. That way he can bless us with a very good revival. Now, this is once a year, and I know that this church wants to have a very good revival meeting. Amen? How many of you want a good revival meeting this week? If you want that, then this is a sermon that you'll need to hear and I hope can minister to you. The passage is about Josiah where he's keeping the Passover for the Lord. The Bible says that Josiah's Passover celebration was quite a revival meeting unlike any other. No other king in Israel's history would ever come on par with what Josiah did. 2 Chronicles chapter 35, the Bible points out, at verse 16, so all the service of the Lord was prepared the same day to keep the Passover and to offer burnt offerings upon the altar of the Lord according to the commandment of King Josiah. And the children of Israel that were present kept the Passover at that time and the feast of unleavened bread seven days. And there was no Passover like to that kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet Neither did all the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept. And the priests and the Levites and all Judah and Israel that were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem in the 18th year of the reign of Josiah was this Passover kept. I just don't want a revival meeting. I want a great revival meeting. Not just a great revival meeting, but perhaps the best that I could ever have in my life. And this passage specifically pointed out not just a great revival meeting, but the best revival meeting that they ever had in Israel's history. There are some things that we can glean and learn from Josiah on how to create a revival meeting. If you really want the best revival meeting, if you ever really want that for this week, then keep your ears open. And let's glean together through the Word of God and let's unlock some things that we can learn from on how we can have the greatest revival meeting ever and just let the Lord move in. I can't wait for the Lord to move in. I can't wait for the Lord to speak to me. I can't wait to see brothers and sisters in Christ to fellowship with. I can't wait to minister to souls out there. I just can't wait to sing praises to the Lord our God. I just can't wait to see a room just overflowing, filled, and the noise and the sound that you hear is joy and honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all you hear... All you feel and all you see is just Jesus Christ in the atmosphere and absolutely nothing of this world or my flesh shares apart. That's what I absolutely want in a revival meeting. And in order for us to have that, we can. We can have that. But I believe that there are some things that we need to do before the next few days ahead. The title of my message is Revive All for Revival. Let's pray. Father God, will you fill within me your Holy Spirit and power? Help me to preach what you want me to preach and cleanse away my sins with your blood. Lord, uh, you're going to speak to us very soon the next couple of days. You're going to move in mightily. So I pray that in preparations for the great revival meeting, that you'll please help us to fix ourselves, to ready ourselves, and that you'll move within our hearts now so that we can be prepared for the greater movement that you're going to have in store for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. My first point is the rareness of revival. That's important to remember. The rareness of revival. Let's look at verses 1 through 2. 
Moreover, Josiah kept a Passover unto the Lord in Jerusalem. And they killed the Passover, notice, on the 14th day of the first month. And he set the priests in their charges and encouraged them to the service of the house of the Lord. Josiah can only encourage these people to serve God and prep up for a revival meeting because it would only happen one time a year. One time a year. The Bible says that it is on the 14th day of the first month. It never said every Sunday. It never said every month. It never said once a season, like we practice the Lord's Supper once a season. It is a once a month opportunity. People don't miss out on Christmas that easily with their loved ones and families. They'll save up money. They'll make great strides because they know it's a once a year opportunity. You don't hear people uh, bailing out on Thanksgiving. You got a feast prepared. They would work hard to prepare the feast. Make sure that they get their time off and then make sure that they can enjoy the interaction and fellowship with the family. If it's something like that, we wouldn't miss it out. But with God speaking to you, is higher than any Thanksgiving feast. God ministering to you. And then a whole bunch of people, not just our church, but other Bible-believing churches conglomerating together and giving thanks on on high and then praising the Lord and then God just showing up in our midst is such a once-a-year thing that I wouldn't dare want to miss out. But we'd faithfully keep Christmas, then a revival meeting. We'd faithfully keep Thanksgiving, then a revival meeting. My friend, a, a piece of meat is no greater priority than Jesus Christ. I want to feast on the Holy Spirit of God and not just some Thanksgiving dead turkey. It's all going to go down the drain anyway. It won't last you for a long time. But Jesus Christ ministering to you can last for many times. Many weeks ahead. It's a once a once a year thing. You wouldn't want to miss out the one chance that you get. Look at Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. What if you miss out the revival? You missed out then, realize this, your one chance. You missed out your one chance. The problem with people in our minds nowadays is we always think that it's something that we can always have. That we can always catch up. That it's always available whenever I want to. But we don't realize that, no, this is a rare thing. With God convicting and moving and the Spirit flowing. And it's something so rare. I mean, if it was an advertisement that 50% off discount if you buy this much in the groceries, you wouldn't miss out on that one. If it was Black Friday, they'd line up for hours for that. For a stinking video game. But not the Holy Spirit, not Jesus Christ. How much does he mean to you? You got to realize you missed out your one chance. Look at Luke chapter 14 and verse 18. Luke chapter 14 verse 18. Notice that God gives a parable giving them an opportunity to feast. To enjoy a feast with him. The Bible points out at verse 18. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. 
The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, uh, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. So he missed out on the feast at verse 17. Look at verse 19. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house said, it's understandable. And, you know, we can have it later. And no, he says, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and give another chance to the people who missed out. No, they missed their chance. And bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, isn't this interesting? Go out not to the people who are near, who have access. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. You know, when these people start to make excuse. I cannot go because I have this and this and this. And to them, it is an understandable reason. But you have to understand this. God does not work like your mind. People in here and myself can be human like you and we might understand. But God don't work like that. God is, if this really means that much to you, where you're feasting with me, take it or leave it. There's no in between. There's not like, can we postpone this? Can I work something out? And no, God says, then you leave it. That's what it means. Yeah. Once you make the excuse you cannot go, God automatically takes it as, then you missed out. You missed out. You're one chance for God to meet with you. You're one chance for God to speak to you. You're one chance where God can do something special in your life. You're one chance to feast with God, with other brethren. He gives you that opportunity and that chance. And if you don't want it, You've heard the announcer, your loss, your loss. But notice right here, there are people who are more desperate than you. People who want it more than you. Those of you who are nearby, those of you who are closer, those of you who take it for granted every Sunday, and you got the phone number of the pastor and brethren anytime. So those of you who have such close near proximity and access are not that desperate, but those who are out in the highways and hedges and those so far away that said, you know, I'm hungering for Bible-believing fellowship. I'm hungering for Bible-believing preaching. I'm hungering for the singing and I just want to be over there. And God says, that's for you. And they'll eat your food if you're not willing to eat it. And it's going to be gobbled up and you can't come back five weeks later and say, are there leftovers? It's gone. It's your one chance, and you missed out. Revival is not something, get this through your head, it's not something you can have easily access and you can always have it later. It's rare, and God meeting and showing up is rare. Did, did we forget 2020? That's something probably in a lifetime. And we'll never have that again. God ministering. And you, you felt it. You've seen it. You saw the Holy Spirit moving. Rare. 
If you really think that the Holy Spirit shows up all the time and Spirit fills you and there's revival, uh, think again, buddy. Every day, as soon as this service is over, it's not revival. It's sin, wickedness, weariness, dreariness. And then you're like praying for revival. You're praying for the Holy Spirit to fill you. You're praying for the Holy Spirit to mildly move in your life. Hey, man, the time is coming. It's about to show up. And the Holy Spirit's about to fill and bring revival to this room. The one you've been waiting for right here, right now. Why would you want to miss it out now all this time? It's something you've been waiting for. Something you've been craving for. One chance. If you miss it, remember this. You're missing out one chance. One chance this year. And this year you missed out one chance. For the Holy Spirit moving. For that fellowship. For that power that you've been craving. And you've been praying every day for the filling of the Spirit. This is the best chance. This is it. Why miss out now? Your one chance. My second point is release of revival. My second point is release of revival. In verse 3 through 6, let's go back to our main text here. Let's go back to our main text. Let's look at verses 3 and through 6. The Bible points out, And said unto the Levites that taught all Israel, which were holy unto the Lord, Put the holy ark in the house which Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, did build. It shall not be a burden upon your shoulders. Serve now the Lord your God and his people Israel. And prepare yourselves by the houses of your fathers after your courses, according to the writing of David, king of Israel, and according to the writing of Solomon, his son, and stand in the holy place according to the divisions of the families of the fathers of your brethren, the people, and after the division of the families of the Levites. Notice right here that Josiah tells the Levites to make preparations, to spend all their time in the revival meeting. And he said an important thing at verse 3, to put the holy ark aside. He said, it shall not be a burden upon your shoulders. He says, put that aside and then just spend time in the revival meeting. Have you heard good, good sermons about the Levites carrying uh, the ark on their shoulders? There are several good sermons on that. And a lot of preachers have talked about you know, God giving us a calling to bear on our shoulders. And those Levites didn't have the luxury or the blessing like the other Jews where they can just go around, they can go out to battle, they can enjoy the blessings and do, uh, do a lot of things easily. But these Levites, or more specifically the Kohathites, had to carry it on their shoulder for their whole lives. They had to keep carrying it, carrying it, carrying it, uh, setting up the ark, building up the ark, and then carrying it on their shoulders, while the other Jews were able to do bigger things to set up and prepare. But those Levites always had to carry that. It's the ark of the covenant, and it's quite a burden on their shoulders. And then preachers have given sermons about, you know, God has put something on our shoulders, something very precious, the ark of the covenant. And yeah, it's heavy, and it may be a burden, but you know what, I'm happy. Because we're talking about the ark of God. We're talking about man where God shows up between those little cherubims right there. I mean, the Ark of the Covenant, what they had to build, where God would even sometimes speak or minister to a high priest. What a high 
calling. What a precious thing they're carrying. Nothing like it. And Bible-believing Christians, we ha carry some calling of God. Some heavy burden that we have to carry on our shoulders. But there's nothing greater than carrying that work of God. Because God chose you out of every other person to specifically carry that burden on your shoulders. That's a high calling. There are so many good sermons on that. But here's the interesting thing. The interesting thing is that even though it's a high calling and it's a blessing, in this passage, God even realized that it was still a burden. But it's a precious privilege. It's an honor to carry this for the king of kings. I know it's heavy. I know it's a burden. But it's a precious honor and gift. Yeah. You're right. But God also recognizes your human nature. And he says, but it's still a burden, isn't it? Why don't you put it down and then focus on the revival meeting? Because you have to pick it up again soon. And then you're going to have to carry that soon again for me. But now's not the time. You need to put it down. You know what our problem is as Bible-believing Christians? Our problem is, is that we mistakenly think that we're like the Levites. I'm a Kohathite. I'm carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Thank you for that preaching that you gave about the Kohathites and the Ark of the Covenant. That ministered to me. I'm carrying something like a burden, but it's precious. I got to find meaning in it. I got to rejoice in this burden that God has put on my shoulders and take it as a high honor and privilege. You mistakenly... Have that in your mind so that when God says, hey, put it down, you don't put it down. And you're like, no, Lord, you convicted me on this. You said that this is my burden. This is my calling. This trial that I'm carrying or this work that you call me to do. Lord, I, I can't put it down. I got to be faithful to you. And God says, if you want to be faithful to me, you, you're going to obey me. Put that thing down. And focus on the revival meeting that I have set up for you. Because you're going to wear out. No, Lord, I'm a soldier and I'm happy with what I have. No, you don't. You don't realize that you're flesh and you're human. And you're putting false joy into the task that I put on your shoulders now. And you need to get that out of your shoulders because I know that it's a burden. And you need to just enjoy the revival meeting. What does revival mean? Revive. So you can be revived to put that thing back on your shoulders and keep carrying it for the Lord Jesus Christ. I wouldn't trade this church for the world, but man, the human side of me knows the burden behind it. And bless God, I need a revival meeting. I need to get that thing off my shoulders and let God speak to me. But you got too much pride in you with that trial with that work that you're carrying, and you're insisting, no, i got to be faithful in doing this for God, and no, you're disobeying the Lord. God wants you to, hey, take that off your shoulder now, and be revived. Focus on the revival meeting. And let me minister to you. Let me speak to you. Because you only get this once. Once. That burden you're carrying is every day. And you need to pick it up again soon. You need a release, you know that? You need a release. You need to get that burden released from your shoulders. And then you just need the Lord to minister to you. You know, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 is interesting. The Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, right? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Light. So then, when we're carrying that on our shoulders, we're like, Lord, uh, you pull me through so much and it's light and, you know, it's not really heavy and I can come to you for rest. Yeah, you're right, but you know what? Jesus, he still called it my burden. He still called it burden. See, he still realized it's a burden. And Jesus says, now, if you want that thing light, get that off your shoulder. You know, the amazing thing is, Jesus recognizes the, the load you're carrying on your back, that trial or the work or your current duties for the Lord. He realizes it's a burden, even if you don't. You know that? You're blinding yourself. No, I'm faithful. I've got to be a soldier for Jesus. This is my life every day and stuff like that. My friend, you're blinding yourself. You're deceiving yourself. Jesus even recognizes, no, it's heavy for you. It's a burden to you. If you, and, but you're too blind to see it. God surprisingly cares more about your health more than you. Come on, praise God. My third point is rendering of revival. Rendering of revival. Verses 7 through 9. Verses 7 through 9. The Bible points out, And Josiah gave to the people of the flock, lambs, and kids, all for the Passover offerings, for all that were present to the number of 30,000, and 3,000 uh, bullocks, these were of the king's substance. And his princes gave willingly unto the people, to the priests, and to the Levites. And then notice how much they gave. 2,600 small cattle, 300 oxen, notice verse 9, Kaniah and all these names gave 5,000 small cattle and 500 oxen. Notice that the kings and the Jews, they were willingly rendering much sacrifice. So that's my third point, rendering of revival. Rendering of revival. But nowadays, people are not willing to render much sacrifice to get a great revival. But the king and the Jews right here, they knew that, hey, if we want a great revival meeting, we got to render much sacrifice to God. Sometimes you got to ask yourself, you got to look yourself, uh, how much is revival worth to you? How much revival is worth to you? I mean, we, a stinking video game means so much to us that we'd spend hundreds to thousands of dollars on it. But we can't do that with... God ministering to you at a revival meeting. Isn't that amazing? We get time off. We uh, work hard deliberately to schedule in a way to spend some time on a vacation thing rather than more than God ministering and speaking to you. Human nature is very strange. We're very fleshly people. We don't take God's revival meeting as that much seriously. You think that you're just going to get a revival, right? Because you prayed a little. You participated here and there. Uh, you helped out here and there. You're going to attend and come here and there. And because of that, you're going to get a great revival meeting. Really? That's how much revival means to you. You know how God's going to give you the revival then? Here and there. Just a little bit. And not enough to get you through the day, but at least it's a little. How much is revival worth it to you? How much would you pay for it? You know, how much is joy to you? How much is joy? Is it worth a lot to you? If revival can, 
produce that fruit of the spirit of joy, how much is joy worth to you? Some people are willing to just shoot themselves off with drugs and slave away to sin more than joy. Tire themselves away with work, family, school, test exams, busyness with whatever busyness, working in a ministry. They have that, they spend more time on that than joy. Joy is not that much, much joy is not that much worth it to them. You know, if one of the fruits of the Spirit is God helping you from the revival meeting, how much is help from God worth to you? Would you pay a lot of money for it? Would you make so much time and effort for that just to get God to help you? You know, if uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit were you can have the Holy Spirit power showing up. Now that's something you've been praying for a long time, right? You pray for daily. I want the filling of the Spirit. I want spirit power, God. Give me spiritual power in my life. Well, then here's your chance. How much is it worth it to you? But no, fleshly power is more convenient, right? Power in the workplace. Power with fame. Power with a better position. How much is spiritual power worth it to you? If the revival meaning that can be produced in your life, how much is it worth it to you? Would you sacrifice much for it? How much is great fellowship to you? Just in sync with brothers and sisters in Christ. Just talking about the things of the Lord. Where they can uplift your spirit. Where you can make bonds that can last forever. Where the, everything you talk and do is just fun. Just pure fun and excitement and just enjoyment. How much is that worth it to you? Are you willing to go great lengths for it? Are you willing to pay for it? What about spirit-filled singing? Does that mean anything to you? Spirit-filled singing, is it worth a lot to you? Do you want to hear that singing? Do you want to hear the music? Do you want to hear the amen? Do you want to hear the people, how much they give their thanks to the Lord? How, how you can hear that in the presence? How much is that worth it to you? How much is the preaching of the word of God to you? How much is spirit-filled preaching worth to you? And these preachers have prayed up to, pray, to prepare their message. They've sacrificed time out of their ministries to get over here to minister to you. How much is that spirit-filled preaching worth it to you? Are you willing to go great lengths for it? Luke chapter 14, remember? They may excuse. Well, I have this and I have that. But Jesus said, go out to the highways and hedges. And those people, they're willing to, to make great lengths. They're willing to pay for the travel expenses. They're willing to walk so many feet. They're willing to put aside their current stuff that they're doing to come to the feast. They're willing to pay great cost, pay great sacrifice, render much, put sweat and effort, and even go through misery and pain just for the revival. Now, how much is revival worth to you? Is it worth great misery and lengths of pain to get that? To get joy? To get spirit-filled preaching? To get the Lord? If it's not that much worth to you, I do know sin means that much to you. That you go great lengths for it. You go through misery, you go through depression, you go through consequence of sin, you go through death and death and death, just for a taste of sin.
How much is revival worth to you compared to flesh? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. You know, Jesus Christ, he's the Passover that sacrificed himself for us. You know, uh, Jesus Christ was willing to go through great lengths, pay a high price just to keep you. Would you believe that? The person who sinned, the person who keeps messing up, the person who's so weak and pathetic, Jesus really thought you were worth it to buy, to render much sacrifice. But I know for us, we wouldn't for Jesus. I know that for a fact. Well, that includes you. You're, you're definitely right. That's why I'm parking it right here. I know we wouldn't render much sacrifice for Jesus if we saw his faults, if he had faults, if he had sin, if he had failures. We wouldn't render that much sacrifice for him because he's so perfect and holy and we're not even doing that for him. And then here we are with faults and problems, so we wouldn't bother sacrificing for these kind of people. But Jesus would. See, I know that joy means, doesn't mean much to you because you wouldn't pay that much of a sacrifice for Jesus. If Jesus doesn't mean that much to you to sacrifice much, I know joy is not really that much worth of a sacrifice to you as well, that means. I know spirit-filled preaching is even on a lower level for you to pay a high price. I know that spirit-filled singing is on a lower level I know that great fellowship is on a lower level. You wouldn't hardly pay for that. My fourth point is rundown of revival. Rundown of revival. Let's look at verses 10 through 16. 10 through 16. I'm going to give you the whole rundown of the blowout here. You ready? All right, I'll tell you what it's like. I'll tell you how awesome it will be. I mean, revival where God just shows up and, man, we can have a good rejoicing, a great time. And, and why is that? Why can we rejoice? Well, let me give you the rundown here. In verse 10, the Bible says, So the service was prepared, and the priests stood in their place, and the Levites in their courses according to the king's commandment. You know, these people can rejoice in their revival meeting of the Passover because they got those priests who are on standby, ready to serve and meet the needs of the people. That's why they can have a good time and rejoice. Bless God, I got a high priest named Jesus Christ who's on standby at his place, ready to serve any moment. His place is at the right hand of the Father. And at the right hand of the Father, he never moved from his place. He's still standing on his place right there. He's in his place, ready to provide all my needs. For my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's why I can rejoice in a revival meeting. Because I got a high priest standing in his place, at his place, the right hand of God, he cannot move, ready to serve my needs. That's why I can shout in a revival meeting. That's a rundown of a revival meeting right there. 
Well, let's look at verse 11. Notice right here, and they killed the Passover, and the priests sprinkled the blood from their hands, and the Levites flayed them. You know, the reason why those uh, Jews can rejoice in their revival meeting here is because the priests took the blood of the lamb and sprinkled it on them. And that sprinkling was done for purification, the Bible says. Purification, sometimes even physically as well. Well, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I got a better priest than that, and I got a better lamb than that. I got the lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world by his blood. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. He's got five wounds to prove it. And the Lord Jesus Christ, man, he just doesn't sprinkle me with his blood. He washes me with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And bless God, my sins are God. I can rejoice in a revival meeting because I got the blood of Jesus Christ who's constantly forgiving me of my sins if I sin and mess up at the revival meeting I mean that blood is available and ready for me to wash me in the blood again you know why I can rejoice in a revival meeting I'm forgiven and my sins are gone and my sins cannot condemn me that's why I can rejoice in a revival meeting it's because it's about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that's why we sing about saved by the blood we sing, are you washed in the blood? We sing nothing but the blood of Jesus. We sing the blood is still there. We sing it's under the blood. Bless God, the blood. That's why I can rejoice in a revival meeting. In verse 12, the Bible points out right here, and they removed the burnt offerings that they might give according to the divisions of the families of the people to offer unto the Lord as it is written in the book of Moses. And so did they with the oxen. You know, people over here can rejoice in a revival meeting because there's enough of that Passover lamb to go around. They sacrifice this Passover lamb and they said, all right, I'm going to divide it to you, 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 and all of you take the Passover lamb with you. That's why the, the Jew can take that Passover lamb and go, oh man, I thought that it was a limited supply, but praise the Lord, I, I got enough of that lamb to go around and I can use it to celebrate. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ, we got the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, and man, he is mine, he's not yours, and I own him, but there's so much of Jesus Christ that there's enough to pass around, buddy. There's enough for you, my friend, you, 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 you. There's enough of Jesus Christ to go around, and you can take him home with you. All right, that's why I rejoice in a revival meeting, brother, because there's enough of Jesus Christ to go around. And we got... I mean, there's a song that goes, he is mine, he is mine. And that means literally, he is mine. I don't share it, I don't give it to you. But the reason why all of us can be selfish with Jesus is that's how big he is. That's why I can rejoice in a revival meeting. Because, man, there's so much of Jesus Christ to go around, man. So much of Jesus Christ to go around. You can see that, you know, just in the fellowship and everything. There's just enough of that, man. Notice in verse 13 right here. Oh, man, there's so much more right here. I'm not done with the rundown here. Verse 13, the Bible says, And they roasted the Passover with fire, according to the ordinance. But the other holy offerings saw they in pots and in cauldrons and in pans, and divided them speedily among the people. You know, the Passover lamb is the only thing that can take the fire. All the other offerings, they didn't. They said, no, we can't do that. We're just going to uh, boil it in the water. And then just give it off to you. Well, here's an offering that I have. No, it's not as special. It's not as worthy compared to the Passover lamb. 
we're going to have the Passover lamb take all the fire, take all the flame. That other offering that you have, here, let's boil it quickly, and then it can escape the fire. It doesn't have to go through the fire. You can take that back home with you. Bless God. That, that's why they can rejoice. They can rejoice because they're like, my offering didn't have to get burned. Man, praise the Lord. Somebody else took the burning, and I can take this offering with me. You know, the Lord... You know, their offering has been covered by the water. It's just been boiling in that water, just covered in the water. Their offering didn't have to get burned in the fire. You know, Jesus Christ is that Passover lamb. And you know, the other offering is me. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. I am the other offering. And then you know what the covering in water is? That's the Holy Spirit where he baptized you, where he just immersed you under. And it's not the water. The Spirit is symbolized as the water. He baptizes you and immerses you, covers you completely. So you know what, you know what that is? My friend Jesus Christ took all the fire for me. All I got covered by is by the Holy Spirit of God. Bless God, I'm not going to hell. Jesus Christ took all the flames for me, took all the burning, he took all of hell upon himself at Calvary. And bless God, all I can escape the flame. I don't have to pass through the flame. I'm covered by the Holy Spirit of God. And all God sees is that Holy Spirit filling within me. I can't lose the Holy Spirit. He's sealed within me till the day of redemption. Man, Jesus Christ took all of hell for me on Calvary. And I don't have to taste it. I'm covered by the Spirit. That's a rundown of revival. Man, that's why we can rejoice in a revival meeting. That's why we can rejoice in a revival meeting. All, you, all we have to rejoice about is just one thing. We're not burning in hell. Verse 14, man. Verse 14. And afterward, uh, brother, I'm not done. <laughs> and after I give you this rundown, the Lord will give you an unlimited eternal list in heaven. And it could probably go on a billion years on everything he's doing for your life and mine. That's why we can rejoice in a revival meeting, man. It's unlimited. What did Brother Jack sing? I cannot count them. There's not enough time, brother. I don't have enough time to go through all this. Verse 14, And afterward they made ready for themselves and for the priests, because the priests, the sons of Aaron, were busied in offering of burnt offerings and the fat until night. Therefore the Levites prepared for themselves and for the priests, the sons of Aaron. Boy, I feel sorry for those priests. So here they are, busy, burning in, day in, day in, out, the uh, sacrifice. And they're just busy all day and all night. And those people, they're just enjoying a good time, rejoicing. Woo, thank you for the Passover lamb. Woo, covered. Yeah, I got the remission of sins by the blood. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And here that Levite priest is making intercession for the people day in and all night long. And they're like, oh, oh, oh. And then they'll probably swap in turns so that the people can rejoice on their intercession day and night. Those priests are so busy interceding on the behalf of the people that the people can have all day and all night rejoicing. Bless God! I got a high priest all day and all night long. 
come who's making intercession for the saints. And bless God, I can rejoice, I can shout, I can even sin, but Jesus Christ is still interceding on my behalf and the devil cannot find me guilty. Nothing to shout about. What rejoicing. He's busy. How busy is Jesus Christ? Way too busy. You think you and I are too busy for God? Oh, God's too busy for us. Day in, day out, all night long, making intercession for the saints. He's never closed. The shop called intercession in heaven is never closed. There's no closing hour. Open 24-7! I'm just enjoying its services right now. I'm a happy customer. Rejoicing in my revival meeting. Look at verse 15. 15. Notice, and the singers, the sons of Asaph, were in their place according to the commandment of David. And Asaph, and Heman, and Judusa, the king's seer. I mean, the people, there's no excuse for them not to rejoice in a revival meeting. They got way too many singers and songs going on. So because they've got just way too many singers and songs going on, it just keeps the spirit going. It just keeps your spirit stirred up. Bless God! When that revival meeting comes, I got more than a thousand songs to sing about the Lord Jesus Christ. Enough to keep my spirit stirred up and busy, man. Woo! That's why I can rejoice in a revival meeting. Why? He got more than a thousand songs to sing about him. More than a thousand songs to sing about him. Just so many. We got too many songs, man. Way too many songs. That'll keep us stirred up for the Lord. It's like, uh, well, pastor, you know, uh, I mean, page 67 doesn't mean that much to me. I just sang that too many times. Okay, then you start with page one. Then you go on to page two. And then you can be grumpy still. We got so many more songs left, baby. Then we go to page 10. And you can still be grumpy after that. And after page 20, it's kind of hard, you know. You just have to go. Because I have to do that a little bit. Then we'll get to page 100, and you're already running around the room, babe. You're already running around the room like a psycho, and then we're like, we're not even page 1,000 yet. Then we'll come to page 67, and then you'll run. Man, there's way too many songs to keep our spirits going. That's why we can rejoice in a revival meeting. Now let's look at verse 15 again. And the porters waited at every gate. They might not depart from their service. For their brethren, the Levites, prepared for them. You know, at John chapter 10, that porter is Jesus Christ. And that gate is those pearly gates up in heaven. You know, those people can rejoice because every time they just want to walk in a revival meeting, then the porter's right there and he says, opened in for you, step right in, come on inside, enjoy the meeting. There's no VIP service, there's no reservations, I mean, it's open right then, come on in and enjoy it. Praise the Lord, I got a porter named Jesus Christ. And in those gates of heaven right there, it's not restricted. It's simply, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I mean, those pearly gates can swing open. What? I don't have to pay for it. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to go to priest or so-called father so-and-so right there. I can just go through Jesus Christ and opens those gates wide. I got it. Yeah. 
Yes. Man, always right there. Those pearly gates, man. Woo! Man, come away just right there. He, the pearly gates will open so that I may enter in. The song goes. That's why I can rejoice in a revival meeting. Because it's ready to open up for anyone who wants to go in. Who wants to have fun. That's the rundown of the revival. Man, you don't want to miss that out. You don't want to miss out a rejoicing. What a time! What a time! My fifth point is rank of revival. Rank of revival. Look at verse 17 through 19. Notice right here at 17 that the children of Israel kept the unleavened bread. And at verse 18, there was no Passover like that. From the days of Samuel, nor all the kings of Israel. It was at verse 19, the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. It's amazing that Josiah, his Passover ranked the greatest above any other king before him ever since the time of Judges. The Bible specifically mentioned greater than Samuel. You know, it's amazing. Samuel was the one when there was no open vision from the Lord. But Samuel was such a special person that God was, was only willing to talk to him, the Bible says. But Josiah, Josiah's Passover is better than Samuel? What about, this is even more mind-boggling, David, a man after my own heart, God says. David, one of the greatest typologies of Jesus Christ, Josiah's Passover beat David's. You might go, why is that? I don't understand that. You know what the difference is? Why Josiah's was better than David and Samuel? Samuel and David are known for their close relationship with the Lord. There's no doubt about that. But that focus on the close relate listen, that focus on the close relationship with God made them ignore the other people out there who needed to be ministered unto. Josiah, his Passover was different because he said, I'm going to make some kind of meeting, some kind of thing that can minister to everybody and make it the greatest ever. But David and Samuel don't think about that. Look at David's children, Samuel's children. They all messed up, right? They weren't thinking about that. They were just thinking, my walk with God, my walk with Jesus Christ, my, my, my. But Josiah was like, no, I want everyone. I want everyone. The key difference is Josiah was, I want to make the best meeting ever, the best service ever that will minister to everybody. You know, you might have a good relationship with God. You might be like David and Samuel, and hats off to you. I'm not discouraging that. You should have a close relationship with God. Nothing is more important than your personal walk with Jesus Christ. No doubt about it. But sometimes, like that song goes, I come to the garden alone, and we don't want him to go. But that verse goes, but he bids me go in the voice of woe. Why? God said, hey, child, it's good that your prayer life, Bible reading, your Bible study, your memory verse, and you staying away from sin, 
you're doing a good job. But what about those souls dying and going to hell? What about those brothers and sisters in Christ in the room? It's not about you, it's about others. You got to pass along. You can be so lost in your relationship with God, you're ignoring your family. You're ignoring your brethren in here. You're ignoring lost souls around you who need ministered unto. Is this convicting you? We have to realize that we got to think about others. You know what can minister to others? This once a year thing where people can watch online, where different churches and visitors can come, and our own people can come, and then we just give them the greatest service ever that can minister to each and every individual, and they can take something precious and permanent in their life when they go back home. You're too busy with your walk with Jesus Christ that you're not thinking about others. It's about time you get others involved too. If you want the greatest revival meeting ever, you have to think it where, what is the best that I can minister to the people? What is the best I can minister to the people? You want the greatest revival meeting in the world? This is not some competition or pride level where we're better than other Bible-believing churches. But if every Bible-believing minister and Bible-believing member in the church had it in their mind, I want to make this the greatest revival meeting ever that can minister to everybody. Man, our churches would transform all over the world. California, people call it dead and nothing of God moving over there. And then we get a blowout here. There's a blowout in Southern California. Then the times are refreshing over there. 18,000 chick tracks passed out in Comic-Con. And then we got something going on in January. And everyone's just picking off from each other. And that's the idea how we should do. And then we can resurrect this dead, stinking California. And bring revival to some of the people in here. Praise God. But it took, it has to take somebody, see, to say, I want to make this the greatest meeting ever. And then other so-and-sos can do that. And then we can resurrect this place. I'm not harping on worldwide revival or that California is going to have a revival, but I'm pointing out a fact that there is more individual and church revivals now when everybody tries to get involved in something. My sixth point is retirement of revival. Retirement of revival. If we look at verses 20 through 23, note the first three words of verse 20. After all this. That means after the revival meeting. Josiah went to the king of Egypt. Josiah went up to fight where king of Egypt was there and Carchemish by the Euphrates River. But notice right here at verse 21, those kings said, what are you doing here? You shouldn't go here. The Lord told me to do this. But Josiah rejected the word of the Lord at verse 22. And then verse 23, he got shot. 
How can one of the greatest kings in Israel, who had the greatest revival, meaning Passover ever, end up in a place like that and get shot? You know why? The key is verse 20. After all this, after the revival meeting, he what? He got involved with the king of Egypt, Carchemish, the things of this world. He got involved in worldly affairs after a revival meeting. That's why he got shot. We all know this. I don't have to tell you. After a revival meeting, usually, it's when you get involved with worldly affairs again that you get shot down, don't you? You can have the greatest revival meeting in the world like Josiah, but still go down and get shot. All it takes is after. After the revival meeting, going back to worldly affairs. That's what it is. You know, at least Josiah got to experience the greatest revival in his life, right? At least he has that on his record. But you know what's really sad is that some of you, are going to be in worse shape than Josiah. Some of you, unlike Josiah, where he experienced the greatest revival in his life, because he got shot after the revival. But you, you don't even experience the greatest revival because you get shot before the revival. Josiah was after all this, he got in worldly affairs. But you, before all this, you get involved in worldly affairs. You know, the revival meeting is just a few days away. So few, just very few days away. But before all this, the biggest mistake is before all this, you go back to your worldly affairs and you get shot. And you're in worse shape than Josiah because you don't even taste the greatest revival in your life. Wow. All you have to do is just stay away from those worldly affairs of yours. Just a few more days. Just a few more days. You know. At least you can experience the greatest revival in your life. Just stay away from your worldly affairs. Just a few more days. Josiah, he could have avoided getting shot. You know that? You notice that when he got involved in worldly affairs, God said, hey, go back. He could have avoided the shot. All he had to do was turn back. Turn back to that revival meeting where he remembered, oh man, that I received that blood sprinkling on me with the remission of sins. And there were way too many singers and songs that stirred up my spirit. And I remember that my offering didn't have to get burnt. But that Passover land took all the flames for me. And I remember that those priests just day in and day out, all day and all night making intercession. Ah, oh, he had to, if only he could recall that. He just had to turn back to that. He just had to turn back to his home. Yeah. It's home. Come home. 
come home. All he had to do was turn back to his home. All he had to do was basically turn back to the Lord. Turn back to the Lord. Josiah, if he, he could have just thought, you know, I got my, I wonder this. I wonder if this happened to Josiah where, you know, a couple days later is going to be a Passover. I remember that last Passover I had. That was a great time. You know, just a few days away for the next one. What am I doing here? With the king and the Egypt and Nico Carchemish right here. What am I doing here in worldly affairs? I remember that singing. I remember that lamb. I remember the blood sprinkling. I remember that intercession. I remember that porter who would smile and open the door and say, come on in. It's for you. What am I doing here? All you had to do was go back. And I wondered if he could have enjoyed another Passover. You're not Josiah. You're not shot yet. All you have to do as you're looking at your worldly affairs around you is turn back. Turn back. Live to see another Passover. Live to see another time God's speaking to you. Live to see another time where the Holy Spirit is moving. Live to see another time where God becomes more real to you than ever. Live to see another time where all the people just talk about is Jesus Christ. Live to see another time with joy all around you. Live to see another time where everybody gathers over around the Passover lamb and sings, Worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Turn back. Every head bow and every eye shut. That's all you have to do. Just turn back.